Are you ready? A Shot of Wrestling Episode 134 And away we go Step up to the break we got MJP And Green Man is the brain and tripping and chip team From my land to Japan and everywhere in between Get the up-to-date news on the wrestling scene So take a shot, boy Is that the message you got? We about to go live Welcome, everybody, to a shot of wrestling. I am your host, at Magalich Hapati, and frankly, I'm on cloud nine right now, in a great, fantastic mood, and joining me this week, returning to the co-host chair in Omega Studios, the Green Man. Oh, it is so nice to be here. So nice to be back home. Talk about being home. We we just came a few weeks ago. Great show about on BCW, by the way, and now I'm home here in Omega Studios. I mean, it, it doesn't get any better than this, MJP. Of your vocal rest from your commentary duties. Oh my gosh, uh, I didn't think it'd be as hard as it was. Let me tell you. So she said. <laughs> but uh, I am grateful for the opportunities that of just not only doing this podcast, but the fact that this podcast has given us the opportunity to work with BCW, have put me behind the commentating table with AJ Pan and Pete Rosado. I mean, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to be to be the Green Man. In 2018, who would have thought, right? Back in WrestleMania 24, that we oh, this guy <laughs> that we would have our podcast, that we would interview the amount of people that we've interviewed who are welcoming to be interviewed by us. Because who are we? You know, we're just fans. This show has always just from the fans to the fans. exactly. That's who we are, and we just love alcohol and drinking and talking wrestling. So who are we to take their time? But they're gracious, and we appreciate it, man. How did you enjoy the BCW show, by the way? It was good. It was a little chaotic. The ending sucked ass, but it was pretty good. Uh, I wasn't too happy about the ending, but uh, if you are a federated fan... no sense. <laughs> if you are a federated fan, federated still has a, a good amount of going power and other promotions, PPW being one of them, and Battle Club Pro. Uh, federated is, is coming back to Battle Club Pro, and, and if you're in the area, if you like the Bronx, go check them out. Also, if you're a Federated fan, make sure you go check out episode 133, the end of episode 133 for a raw, uncut, uncensored, unscripted, unkayfabe interview with Federated right after the event. It's an interview you don't want to miss. They kind of just went AWOL. Oh my. Off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were dropping F-bombs, and I'm not just talking about the word F-bomb, but they were really out and loose, and they were very unhappy with the way it ended. They felt the same way that the fans did. That why did it end this way? Why would you push out one of your more important people, Mike Orlando, Ali Rex, Brute Van Sleek? Uh, I mean, pa- Papa Don now, and now the new member into Federated, Casey Navarro. I mean, Federated is at the top of their game, but yet my boy AJ Pan assured me there was going to be a victory in the PCA. So I'm sitting pretty. I'm sitting very pretty. Great. So am I. 
Why am I in such a great mood, you ask? Thanks for asking, ass. Why? If you're a loyal listener, you hear me complain all the fucking night. If you heard the Slim Sheffy experience from years ago, if you heard Putty's podcast from a couple years ago, if you heard a shot of wrestling from the last two and a half years, you heard I really fucking hate my job. You do. My boss is a fucking bitch. She hates me. She just can't stand the way I breathe. I, I, you know what my solution to you was? Fuck her. I don't even <laughs> want to think about that. But finally, after 17 and a half years, this fucking bitch is out of my system. I got a new job. Finally. Same building. Same place. Different department. Totally away from her. Now I'm working in IT. I work better with computers than I do with fucking bitches. So, you know, I'm on cloud nine right now. <laughs> Popping bottles. Hung out with Mike downstairs. Gave me some free shots. I'm feeling nice right now. I'm feeling pretty nice. You look better, and too. The show. Like, you feel like there's feel a better. weight. I feel better. Removed from Huge you. monkey off my back. Yeah. Can't wait. Or wrap the show up. Let loose in karaoke downstairs. You know. We're going to have a good time tonight. You, we're going to have a fun show I love tonight. it. You know what you should sing tonight? It's My Life by Bon Jovi. You know. And, and then dun, My dun, Way dun, dun. by Frank Sinatra. <laughs> and then she. Bring them together. And then she fucking hates me by um, Puddle and Mud. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's facts. The song was written about this bitch. <laughs> That's me. I'm on cloud now. Let's get right into the show. Start it right now. Oh. With, as we always do, wrestling replay. Now, we're getting ready for Hell in a Cell. Are we not? We are. Let's start off with the very first Hell in a Cell. Do I even Bad remember it? In Your House. Brought to you by PlayStation. October 5th, 1997 in St. Louis, Missouri. From the Kiel Center in front of a crowd of 21,151. We saw the Nation of Domination defeat the Legion of Doom in a handicap match in 12 minutes, 16 seconds. Max Mini and Nova defeated Mosaic and Tarantula. In 6 minutes, 44 seconds. The Godwins defeated the Headbangers to win the Tag Team Championships in 12 minutes, 18 seconds. My man Owen Hart defeated Farouk to win the vacated Intercontinental Championship in 5 minutes, 51 seconds. Disciples of Apocalypse defeated Los Barliquas in 8 minutes, 4 seconds. Bret Hart and the British Bulldog defeated Patriot and Vader in a flag match in 25 minutes and 7 seconds. And in your main event, Shawn Michaels defeated The Undertaker inside the very first... Hell in a Cell to determine the number one contender for the WF Heavyweight Championship in 29 minutes and 55 seconds. Now, why is this memorable? Because I think Green Man just noticed it. It is Kane's debut. Yeah. Kane debuted. Ripped off the door of the cell. Cost Undertaker that match. What epic, one of the most memorable debuts in wrestling history, in my opinion. Do you think so? Out of everybody who has made a debut, everyone. You think the most one of the most impactful Kane? Absolutely. Do you think a debut is important because it, it is unknown? Like you just show up, you watch a pay per view, and you're like, "Holy shit, who the fuck is this person?" You know? Or do you like the build of like? Remember when Razor Ramon was ready to do his debut, and you had all the vignettes of he's coming? You know, like the yeah. bad guy. Do you like the build? Old school, yeah. Or do you just like the complete surprise of like, who the fuck is this? Depends on the character, depends on the storyline. Kane fit perfectly here. Yeah. With those vignettes for Kane, it wouldn't be a surprise. And who cares? Yeah. You know what I liked about Kane? Not just his debut, but the story that they unraveled through the next few years on how he was intertwined with The Undertaker, how he was the brother of The Undertaker, how he killed his mother. Like, there's so much story invested. Like, the writers really did a great job with building the relationship and the dynamic between yep. Undertaker, Kane, Paul Bearer, and, and they created that. And, and I... To be honest with you, Michael J., and we haven't talked about this before, I really thought they were going to do that with um, Bray Wyatt and Sister Abigail. They could have totally put so much layers into that storyline, and they totally screwed that up. They screwed up when they realized he was Sister Abigail. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of Kane and Undertaker, right quick, Bruce Pritchard on his podcast revealed a story how he's in a taxi cab in New York City. Mm Mm-hmm. 
talking about wrestling with a cab driver, and the cab driver revealed how he was the Undertaker's son. Really? And Bruce was surprised, didn't know what to say, so he started texting the Undertaker. And the guy was like, yeah, you know, my father's the Undertaker. Um, I grew, had a, you know, I didn't see him too much growing up, plus his brother Kane and always is feuding with him. They didn't get along. <laughs> so I don't really know my brother. I don't know my uncle Kane too much. And Bruce is like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> it's not real, right? I'm like, what an ass. What an idiot. But anyway, not only this pay-per-view memorable for Kane's debut, watching it live in studio is also memorable. I totally forgot about this. I think you forgot about this as well. This is where they announced Brian Pillman passed away. He was found dead in his hotel room this day, October 5th, Wow. That's crazy. So that's a historic footnote in this pay-per-view as well. His two big moments in this pay-per-view. And we talked in the show before on how his son is training to be a professional wrestler, and we're hoping to get him on the show very soon. But yeah, it's it's crazy that so much time has passed by. And he is one of the people in my wrestling past as, as a viewer who I'm like, we missed out on so much more. You could say that about Owen Hart. I'm sure that's your guy. Could you have seen Owen Hart as a world champion? Yeah, I think you could have. Brian Pillman also, like, life cut too short where there's so much more that I think he could have contributed to the business. Um, but his life, you know, unfortunately uh, ended uh, a lot shorter than, than anyone had planned. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking there, Michael J. Putty? Do you care to share? With you, no. It's Jack Honey. Mm. I'm telling you, the unofficial sponsor. The unofficial sponsor. You know what? We should stop drinking their shit um, and start drinking shit that people give to us to be sponsors on our show. That's what we should do. So that's nothing. (laughs) Wine. I I don't know. Something. A nice Sauvignon Blanc. Something. Something good. Speaking about drinking, and um, I was recently at the bar on Wednesday. If you follow us on social media, the green man was not green, but he decided to go and check out the last Casanova Valentine no ring death match show at the Tender Trap in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And the sh- did you bring your beautiful sister in law this time? Oh you my gosh! This time? Just the fact that I have that memory from the event that Casanova put together. I've been to three of their shows, and yeah, the second one that I, the first one I ever saw, first. I ever saw Zack Sabre Jr. was there and we had them on episode 91 where we could talk a little bit more about them. And then the second time I went to Tender Trap, I took my sister-in-law, told the story on a shot of wrestling on how she was completely terrified between the match that Casanova had with Matt Tremont because it literally was at her footsteps, like the blood, the thumbtacks, like the glass, everything was right there. Like she was fearful for her life. And this last one, man, it didn't, it did not disappoint. Uh, the Boulevard Bullies were there, but a lot of other friends to the show were there. Joe Gacy with his girl Amy was there. We ran into a East Coast Syndicate member, Dominic De Niro, a new member to the Sexy Saiyans squad. We were there hanging out. He told me a story that I want him to indulge a little bit more when he comes on the show one day on how uh, he recently got his tag team title stolen from his car say what yeah so i don't know what's gonna happen i mean that's a big deal right that's a big deal to yeah to i mean and if you got to defend your title what are you just not going to show up with the belt i don't know uh but the bounty is out for whoever has uh dominic dinero's tag team championship and there's only just a few days away from him having to defend those titles so 
let's see what happens. Also, um, Battle Club Pro owner was also there, uh, Joaquin Morales, uh, which we usually see him at BCW. He's usually working like the audio stuff. So, you know, the more we get into this business and the more we get opportunities, the more we get to meet the great people behind the scenes in front of the camera who really put this business together. So it was a great night, great way to end the tender trap because the tender trap is closing down, which is one of the reasons it's the last and final no ring death match from that venue. So a couple weeks ago, I uh, recounted my love of the Mountie and his formidable tag team, the Quebecers. Well, Green Man, that's what leads you into this week's interview, no? Oh, man. When we talk about Big Get, I, I, I feel privileged to have had a conversation with this guy. By the end of this interview, you will be inspired by a man who pretty much had everything he wanted. And, and a, a few weeks ago, Michael J. Putty, I posted something on my social media and I said, you know, I hate the phrase when people say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Did you see that? And I said, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it really came from this interview because this is a man who was getting paid very well, who made a great living, had a great legacy already set up and was already making a good living for himself, but said, you know what? I'm not going to settle because I know I am worth more. I know I could, I've been put in this earth to do a lot more. So I'm going to give everything that is nice and cozy to me and go pursue my love. Go pursue my passion. And it doesn't matter how old I am. It doesn't matter how many years I've been out of the business. I'm going to be the best me that I could be. And that is where that inspiration of it ain't broke, don't fix it made me realize I hate that saying because things do not have to be broken for you to fix them. You do not have to be at the worst of times to rise to the occasion. You know, things could be going great. Right now, Shot of Wrestling is doing great. You know, we have great connections. We're meeting great people. We're we're being engulfed into this great sport, this great art form of professional wrestling that we didn't even expect to be part of. And, you know, just because we're, we're having some great times, let's build and have some better times. So, PCO, thank you so much for the the inspiring messages that you are able to provide to me. And hopefully, if you guys keep listening in, you will listen on these inspiring words from the man himself, Pierre Carlet. PCO, baby. Great man. Take it away. It's alive! It's alive! Alright everybody, welcome to another exciting interview here on A Shot of Wrestling. I'm the Green Man and like we've said time and time again, wrestling brings us together and today, wrestling brings us a three-time WWF Tag Team Champion and former WCW Hardcore Champion, Pierre Carulet, a.k.a. PCO. Welcome to A Shot of Wrestling. Yeah, man. It's my pleasure. So let's get right into it. Let's get to know you a little bit better. Um, many would label your current, re- your current run as the biggest comeback in wrestling, the peak 
of your success was one half of the most iconic tag teams in history, the Quebecers. And now looking back into your career, what will you consider your biggest accomplishment? Um, I, honestly, this year is my biggest accomplishment. But if you, if you want to go back, uh, I have to say there's a few, I mean, uh, getting those tag team titles, uh, WWE against the Steiner Brothers, the Jacques Rougeau retirement match at the uh, working on top of the bill uh, at the Montreal Forum, eighteen thousand five hundred people totally sold out. Uh, I think like almost like a WrestleMania show because like it was uh, all the roster was working that night, so that meant um, Undertaker uh, versus Yokozuna, Jeff Jarrett versus uh, Razor Ramon. Red artists so hard. Like I mean, all the top feud uh, were on that card, and just main eventing that card, that was a hell of a accomplishment and a hell of a you know deal to me. And then my feud with Bret Hart, it's something that will always be so special to me. So uh, those moments are really, really important. And working with Hulk Hogan uh, during um, a show that we ran in Montreal was also uh, pretty cool. Not working in the ring with him, but just working, uh, doing interviews and um, just putting everything together so we can have a, a great house and... Uh, designing like some of the angles that we came up with to uh to pack that house uh at the, the new arena the Molson center uh that was another great moment of my career well success does not come without a little failure uh what were you would you say are your setbacks that you've learned the most from oh there's so many i think in every successful uh person or lives or person that have success if, if i take if i look at vince mcmahon for an instance i mean if you look at his failures at the wbf the xfl all the trials for you know uh the the guys uh just cheating on different substances things like that you know mm-hmm. almost uh, going into jail uh almost going like uh Bankrupt yeah. because of WCW at one point. It was so close, you know, but he made it, you know. And also the evil, evil can evil like pay per view that was like uh, that really bombed. Uh, that was really bad and I lost tons of money in that. And also um, he was the owner of uh, a hockey team in the American Hockey League at Providence at one point. That that was another failure to him. So and also. And many characters that he tried to uh, build, mm-hmm. uh, investing tons of money on different guys that didn't really work, but that that, that never stopped him from keep forward and like, keeping going forward. You know, so uh, for me, uh, getting I know at the age of uh, seventeen, eighteen, going to Calgary, trying to make a place for myself, going to Try to work full time for Stuart and not being able to get on the team and being uh, having to go back after four months, you know, over there trying to get booked. Uh, that was one of my biggest failure. After that, I got booked for Emil Dupree in the Maritimes, and from not being able to get booked in Calgary, uh, 
got booked, but uh, got overbooked in a, in a way where I was put in main event spots right away at the age of 20 years old, and I wasn't ready for that. Okay. So I screw up a lot of uh, a lot of important spots throughout, made mistakes and things like that. Got fired, you know, uh, pretty quickly from there, and uh, that was another big failure. Uh, I got sent back home, and also um, my first two years in pro wrestling when I broke in as a wrestling school, and uh, I was working for the same wrestling school who ran shows on Sunday afternoon. Uh, just not going over for almost two and a half years. It was kind of tough on the morale at point, at some points, you know, and really made myself, uh, really made me doubt myself yeah. if I would ever going to be someone who could, you know, be a star in this business because uh, it was so hard on me uh, when I broke in. Also, uh, different... Um, situation with WWE where, you know, I remember at one point in 2008, uh, I was brought back for tryouts, and after one night, uh, everything went so bad. The fact that I wanted to uh, have a style that I think nobody was ready for it, you know, like a more MMA style, a more uh, Muay Thai, MMA, uh, grappling, uh, like natural style, if, yeah. if, you, if you want. But well, it sounds to me like you were ahead of your your peak because the WWE right now is looking into that and incorporating a lot of the UFC talent into their roster. Yeah, 2008, they, uh, uh, when John Larnett just came to me, since Vince hates uh, UFC. It's his uh, number one competitor, and he hates your gimmick. And... Uh, uh, by the time I get in the ring, and I mean nothing went. Uh, I didn't have the proper opponent. Didn't have someone that wanted to collaborate with me to make me look good either. And and nobody bought it into my style. Not the agent. Not the the uh, higher executive. Not Vince. Uh, I was going to against the tide, you know. Like I was going like uh, I was just swimming the other way around. And uh, after one night, they just said, don't bother to come to Philly tomorrow. We'll just, just go back home and uh, we're going to call it quit there. So uh, that was a tough blow right there. Uh, because uh, towards you know, after having a lot of success you know, previously, it was like starting from scratch almost. And uh, so just going there with an idea and not having any, any steam behind you. Uh-huh. Uh, Made it made everything harder because you're there fighting with not, not that you fight, but you fight for yourself. But you're there, and there's you know a hundred other guys that are coming up with ideas and gimmicks and things like that. So just just coming off cold like that, and just trying to implement you know a new style uh, that didn't cut it. And so that was a tough blow, and uh, also. Another big failure that I had, it's like that year in 2008, I quit a, uh, I was doing the voiceovers for TNA mm-hmm. uh, on a French TV station, making very, very good money and working, you know, for an hour a week, you know, of show and, you know, making like super good money, like as much as some of the WWE guy makes for a year. 
and quitting that job because I felt, you know, after like four, three years, I guess, I think it's three to four years, I just felt I wasn't at my place, you know, I was not accomplishing what I was supposed to accomplish, you know, I wasn't like uh, going along with the desire that was inside of me, and which was the wrestling, and being a performer and, and, and finish what I had started and had to quit to go to England and work for All-Star Wrestling in order to, you know, eventually get the chance to talk with WWE and get a tryout or a match or a meeting or something like that. And uh, the boss where I was working, the TV station, says, you know what, PCO, we can hold on to your job for three months, so if things don't go your way, you can always fall back here on your job at a good salary, but I just turned them down because I say this, and if I do that, it's because I don't believe in myself, and if I do believe in myself, I want to say you have to hire someone right away. That was nice from them, but they want to kind of wanted to protect me, make sure, you know, it's going to be okay, but in this business, you know, the guy, the guy, the person who you have to believe the most in, it's not the promoter, it's not the fans, it's yourself. If, if you can't convince yourself that you're the man, how can you convince other people around you? So I just had to call it quit and uh, went along to England and starving there, basically, you know, uh, compared to the life that I had before. And uh, so until that, that uh, tryout came, and they sent me back home, and um, you know, just a tough blow there. You know, you're driving back home, and you're thinking, okay, uh, adversity strikes, setbacks. How can I come back from that? You know, how can I be stronger than that? And what's the what's the next move? And also in 2003, I had a tryout match again in Montreal, and I blew the roof off. And then two weeks after, you know, I get out of there and I was almost like crying my life. So I was so happy about my match and the impact and the people chanting the PCO, PCO, that um, I thought I would get a, a job. And John Laurinaitis called me back and told me that creative didn't have anything for me. So uh, it was not going to work. So that was a big downer. But there's so many, I mean, so many. There's more, like I said, I can go on and on with the failures and with the the hopes that didn't go through, you know, uh, office calling me up saying, okay, Monday, you're starting with this. You want me to have a blue cape and the blue trunk and the white boots. and You're going to be doing that. And coming the Friday previously to the Monday, didn't have my plane tickets yet and called the office and they told me, well, we're going to send you in Memphis. So, uh, you know, that happened again. And, uh, oh, this got a great angle for you, great idea. You're going to love it. Yeah, what it is, boy. You're going to fight Steve Williams and a real fight after that for Brawl for All. So, so different situations like that that I've been through and that uh, made me stronger, uh, made me who I am today. Is there any advice that you, the PCO from today, would give the Carolette from maybe 10 or 15 years ago? Uh, yeah. Try to stay uh, in anything, you know, uh, even chill. I mean, not, not get excited about something and not get depressed about something. 
just try to keep your morale uh, in the middle. And of course, we do get exciting, excited when when something good is, is happening, a good news, a good match, or something. But you have to, uh, you know, talk to yourself and and make sure that you you stay grounded uh, with your two feet on the earth, you know, and. Don't get carried away. Don't believe in yourself that much, you know. And uh, same thing when uh, bad things happen, you know. Don't be harsh on yourself. You no, know? don't. Don't be tough on yourself, you know. And uh, always keep uh, the hope there, and always, you know, believe in you. So it it works both ways. When it goes too well, you know, don't pretend you're, you know the king of the place and nothing can happen to you and when things are going bad don't don't be hard on yourself thinking no nothing is going to happen nothing good's going to happen to you just just stay even kill you know just to stay in the middle as much as you can because that that business is a roller coaster business uh and mentally mentally it's so hard that's why we see so many guys you know uh dying or you know uh, living this world, you know, and, and being miserable and having problems with addictions and alcohol, drugs, and it's because the the emotions are always uh, not at extremes. Uh, balanced. Yeah, yeah, it's either you're so super happy or you super super down, and um, that's that's what happens. You know, that's that's the main reason why I'm I'm seeing so many. Miserable and uh, you know uh, people like being like later on after you know uh, the end of the business you know like not not being happy but it's not that they're not happy at the end of their career it's that they've never been happy even during their good years so it, it looks even worse when the good years aren't even there because. It's one of those deals where I remember when I was a tag team champion, I was never happy, you know. I could have been happy for one night because the adrenaline was up there and we just realized something important. But two, three days after, it was so miserable. How because so? When, How when, yeah, because because you're chasing, instead of living in the, in the moment and having fun with what you're doing and appreciate everything that's happening to you, Right now, you're, you're thinking, when I'm going to get this, I'm going to be happy. And when this becomes the the present, you're still looking for, well, when I'm going to get this, I'm going to be happy. So basically, you live your entire life without being happy because you're always chasing something. It's almost like if there was a little string, you know, you attach a, a, a carrot and then, uh, you know, a stick that pull yeah. it. Every time you want to grab that carrot, the stick pulls that carrot mm-hmm. away from you and you're still miserable because you thought you're going to have that carrot, but you're not going to have it now. So you still have to run after it or, you know, go for towards it. And it's always a, a vicious circle like that. Where yeah. And they always they, say they look- um, sometimes the journey is a lot more important or a lot more enjoyable than the destination. You know? Easy to say. and <laughs> Tough to live it, though. Yeah. I mean, tough in a way where you need a lot of uh, w- wisdom, a lot of uh, practice about it, which I became good at it with the time, you know. 
uh, I'm enjoying this run so much so far and every part of the run, you know, not just my big matches or not just my very important matches. Whatever I do, wherever I travel, even if it's tough, you know, sometimes traveling so hard, but I'm, I'm pulling all the positive out of it. You know, I'm saying, you know, this is my best souvenir. So when I look in the past, the hardest time became my best time as far as memories. 2018 has been treating you pretty well. Uh, you've wrestled probably the most number of promotions that you ever had in your career this one year. And it's it's a yeah. great time to be a wrestling fan. And I would think even a better time to be a wrestler with the amount of opportunities there are out there. What are your thoughts about what the wrestling scene is like today versus when you first broke into this? Everything's the same. I mean, the politics is the same. I would say, like, the jealousy or not the jealousy or the friendship or everything. Everything is everything is the same, except it's just your approach. My approach has changed, you know. It's like I don't approach it the same way that I used to approach it. So it's hard to compare everything because... I've matured so much and uh, acquired a lot of the wisdom through those years to to my life. Uh, but the evolution in the ring is, is tremendous as far as like, you know, pile drivers or, you know, uh, superplex or, you know, big, big moves like that were like uh, almost an ending match uh, 20 years ago, just becomes now a setup move for another move so now it's like you got sequences like uh, three to four moves in a row that are all solid moves that could all be finishes but it, it just sets up you know the fourth move or the third move for for the finisher or or for something you know uh, bigger and and getting like some sort of, of reaction from the crowd. Yeah, it's just, everything's a, f- a faster pace. Yeah, even though like some older guys would like to tell those guys, you know, to take it like more relaxed and less is more. Like basically, you know, uh, came to a conclusion that more is more. You know? <laughs> so, uh, well, that, that's 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 the way I look at it because. Yeah. It's an evolution. It's like hockey. You can't go back with, with people not wearing shoulder pads anymore, you know. It was like that 20 years ago. It's just a different era. Uh, and we have to um, to do to go with what's there. So we just have to adjust with, with the change. Uh, and you've done a is... great job adjusting. I mean, the first time that I've seen you in action was at Joy Janela Spring Break 2. And you and Walter stole the night with your match. You know, the internet was was glorified at that moonsault that you did onto the ground. And then the images after that match of your chess were circulating all across the world. Uh, how did you prepare for that match? Well, uh, I knew it was going to be one of the uh, one of the most important match of my career. So I've been I had been watching a lot of matches uh, from PWG, a lot of matches from all the top guys on the indie scenes, and uh, I just wanted to be so ready for it. You know, uh, just had worked so hard. You know, uh, doing a lot of things outside the ring, and and that's the thing that 
I miss the most, you know, uh, being on the road like four days a week doesn't allow you sometimes to progress as much as you would like to as a wrestler because there's things that you cannot practice as much. So I had the privilege to be so so present, you know, with uh, all those other sports and to really get at it like strong and hard and to push the envelope real hard. It, it, it did like, give me the the chance to uh, upgrade my game that much. And also, whenever I'm talking to someone with the business now, I'm, I'm not coming in with the attitude that, listen, I was there before you, and I'm going to show you how it works. You know, it's like, no, every night I'm the rookie that I have to prove everything to, to everybody. I don't rely on my past because my past don't mean nothing because... It was another time. It was different people. It was different workers. And it has nothing to do with what's going on this year or in the year that I'm wrestling right now. You know, it's another world. So, you know, I, I don't want to be working for nostalgia and bring back some old memories. Uh, I'm working for now and I'm working for next year and I'm working for in two years from now. And basically, I'm working at my desire to accomplish myself. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure that type of mentality is what's keeping the freshness of who you are now uh, versus like going back to that nostalgia period uh, when you were in the Quebecer. So as a fan, I appreciate it. By the way, how long did it take for your chest to fully heal from after that match with Walter? You can uh, you can call uh, Michael Blanton, a promoter from Black Label Pro, a guy that I work a lot for him in uh, Indiana, and um, he called me the next morning, the morning after the show, uh-huh. and asking about my chest, and I sent him pictures uh, right away with my phone, and my chest was healed up the next morning. Oh, wow. So it's, just, it's just, I have a body that heals so quickly. It's so hard to explain. It's like you're not human. Works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I didn't want to say it because uh, I wasn't really there yet, you know, when I faced Walter. But it became obvious that we were going that way, that route, eventually. Yeah. And some of the things that kind of display that superhuman or not human strength is the promos that you've been doing something fresh something original something that we haven't seen and in in a time where we are in wrestling where we want something new as fans you were able to deliver that your promos with destro started out as more of a strongman stunt like the ripping of the full deck of cards in your mouth or uh when you were bending the frying pan with your bare hands that was crazy and now have turned into like exhibitions you're doing more stunts like jamming nails into your nose or or working with electricity and getting yourself electrocuted like you know when did you guys come together first of all and how did that collaboration get started well i knew uh destro for uh almost like 10 15 years i've known him for for his feats of strength and uh, for for being like a, a guy that goes to the extreme, and the guy like was like 300 pounds when I met him before, and then 
unreal. It's like, you know, the whatever iron or metal or things like that, they, they, they don't, they can't understand the strength, you know, they, they can't understand someone uh, who weighs 133 pounds and who's cut up like Bruce Lee. How can he move out big weights, like, you know, 200 and something pounds, you know, with his, with his hands? It, it, it doesn't apply to their logic, you know, it's, 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 it's beyond logical. And, um, so I wanted them to train me and to, to get me in a better shape and to be more conditioned and then to be readier than ever. So that was one of the big steps, you know, going into that Walters match, you know, he had been like, uh, uh training me since, uh, October. Uh, 2017, and it's going to be almost a year now. And then eventually, I was doing some promos for different like indie promotions, and I would ask him to hold the, the camera sometimes, and he was telling me there's something missing in your promos, you know. And eventually, we did, the, you know, showed me how to rip a deck of card and how to roll a fry pan. And so while we were doing the fry pan thing, I was doing some halves, and there's some straps where you can put your elbows and when I came out of those traps the way I was walking he told me it's like you're looking like Frankenstein you walk just like him and <laughs> you know you act like him and it's just yourself yourself reminds me of that movie yeah and then uh, I liked his observation and I said well, I'd like to go along those lines and I'd like to bring up my character towards this because all my life I was looking for a character that fits me mentally, physically, the way I walk, the way I, you know, I, I handle myself and everything. And watching the movies over and over and over, it's like, yeah, it's me, you know, and... and with my eye and it's you know goes cross side in the corner if I want to and things like that. And then after the match with Walter, uh, everybody was talking about the resurrection of PCO, the resurgence of PCO. And then we just shot a, a vignette on it, you know. So sometimes it was what we were doing was going like backwards to what just the journalists or the medias were saying. But sometimes we were ahead of them, and sometimes they were ahead of us by telling the news first, and then we shot the videos after. And sometimes we do we, we were shooting the videos before, and then it would happen after in real life. And uh, it's, it's been crisscrossing like that since since day one that we've been doing this. And it's, it looks like every time we just we just hit it on the nail. So um, the new era is gave us the freedom to create something and people just bite on it, you know? So it's been uh, very blessed that uh, everything that we've been working on uh, is working that well so far because uh, it's a long life achievement. Basically, it looks good for now, but it was drained for, well, how many years, you know? 15, 20 years where everything that I was trying wouldn't work. It's just, it's just, that's why when you asked me what was my favorite movie, The Sawshank Redemption, 
know, those those movies where you know people just do a little bit every day, constants every day, keep believing in their dreams and and, and keep working towards it, even in the when it looks like everything's against you and it looks like there's no issue, there's no doors, there's everything is closed around you and you feel like you're trapped. Well, you know, even if you have a spoon and you scrape a little bit of dirt, you know, a little bit every day, eventually you're going to end up having a tunnel, I guess. That's that's the lesson I learned from all those movies and the present practice in my life, you know, basically. Uh, that's never stopped of believing in what I could have achieved. So that's the big uh, the big picture behind everything. Yes. It's just happening. Everything's happening in 2018, but how many years have I been working at it? That's the question. Yeah, and the fact that you're doing so much stuff now in your 50s is impressive. Does the fact that your age is now part of the attraction of who PCO is, does that bother you at all? Not at all. Not at all, because most, if I'd say most, I, I did like two shows last week in baseball parks where there's like 4,000 people and they're mostly mainstream people, you know, like knowing what happened in the past, basically, and what's going on on the WWE, but not being the underground, underground crowd of wrestling or the real diehard fans. Yeah. But the PCO chance would come anyway and most of the fans were like seven, eight, nine, ten years old and they started the PCO chant and then older people got with it and at the end the whole stadium was chanting PCO and it's pretty amazing that I'm touching such a young audience and in the meantime I'm touching people of my age too where, you know, they can say, well, you know, this is my age, you know, like in a way where, I don't know, I'm touching every generation, you know, uh, by what I'm doing. And that's something that I don't understand. <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty crazy to my mind. It's, it's, it's mind, mind, it's mind boggling. Blowing my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Mind boggling. Yeah. Um, well, I think it's it's due to the work and the story that you tell in the ring when we see you. Uh, so, for example, for me seeing your match with Walter in person, I get beyond excited for Friday, August 17th, when you're taking on Matt Riddle, because it's a different um, type of style that you're, you must be preparing yourself. How do you feel about that? I think, you know, I don't really... Uh put that much thought into it my my main goal is to have the best match that i can have with with riddle because uh i remember when i saw him and will osprey at nola and i had watched a lot of riddles match before and i told him in uh, louisiana i said uh i said matt i said uh, hopefully one day i'll have the chance to you know to work you and I don't know how he took it, if it was flattering or if it was something that was like uh, obvious that it would happen. I really don't know his take on that, but he, he was like, laughing about it, just, like, almost saying like, of course it's going to happen one day or something like that. Or thinking maybe it was just like uh, bullshitting him about, you know, something like that. But I was really real, you know, I was like really sincere about that. So that, that's been one of my goals to 
to have the chance to to have a match against him. And uh, who else is on so, your list um, to have matches with? Well, all the pretty much all the top guys. I mean, I had uh, I did American Rhino with Brian Cage, which that was on my list. It was on my list. Uh, I did the SCI with Joey Lynch, and I like I. He was from the south. Yeah, I, I didn't hear that much about him, but certainly impressed with his talent. So we we did we we did have a hell of a match. So that was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed Joey. Uh, I thought super talented. Um, Walter, I've faced him so many times since since uh, the Nola days. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's going to be Brody King, Jeff Cobb coming up. So all those names, you know, all the PWG names that are up there, you know, uh, they're all part of my list. And I've had matches with tons of guys that are the top guys on the indie scenes, which really make me bigger, even bigger than what I was at, at the uh, at NOLA. You know, just just having uh, Joey being on the uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast and the last five minutes of the show. Yeah, he know, mentioned you. Almost. Yeah. Not losing his mind, but being super excited about talking about PCO. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was so great. I, mean, I really like Joey. I think I think he's, he's a great guy. I think he, he comes out differently from what stories that you hear in this business sometimes, you know. And uh, got tons of respect for him, so... Uh, I really think he's a good dude, and he's also a bad, bad boy. <laughs> oh yeah, man, he's doing like crazy things, you know. He like put his put his life on the line so many times, you know. He he does some crazy things, you know. Uh, Speaking of which, and, um, since the style of wrestling, you're you're so strong, your feats of strengths are so huge. Do you ever see yourself? You know, taking that PCO character and putting him into a hardcore match, a death match, something a little more extreme. Not the death match, because uh, I think I, I think you know I got all the respect for all those guys. They're they're putting in amounts of stress on their body, and on, on their you know they're doing crazy things. But I just feel like most of the guys that are labeled. Uh, that matches guys, it's hard for them to go back to regular wrestling. So I think there's a fine line where you you cannot cross that line. Uh, so I got tons of respects for that matches guys. And sometimes you got guys with a lot of talent doing those 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 death matches like that could have regular matches and have good matches. But you got other guys that they're not so talented. But they're willing to take the risk, and I think I've got enough talent to pull out a great match without, you know, having to go through uh, hundred light bulbs at a time. So Pierre, do you? That's, um, that's sorry. Do you still keep in tune into uh, the WWE product, like what's going on now? Yeah, I try to watch it as much as I can. I mean, I'm trying. I'm trying in a way. I think they're super talented. I just think I don't feel personally I don't feel the passion anymore watching the show. The passion doesn't transpire the screen. 
I don't know why it does that to me. Something should change. Something. Yeah. They're they're due for a little change. They have everything to make it great again, but it's not great. It's good, but it's not great. And uh, this is not a critique, you know. This is just uh, trying to connect my my feelings with theirs, you know. Trying to be connected to what's been doing on TV, and uh, it's, uh, I just feel that I don't connect with their product. You know, that's uh, I don't know why it's like that. No, I, I mean that's I that's the feedback from a lot of the wrestling fans, and I think it's also a big contribution into why the independent scene is so popular right now, because, you know, people who are not getting what they want to get in the main product with the WWE are getting it other places, you know, um, which yeah. this is a great opportunity for other promotions. And this is could also be one of the main reasons that ROH new Japan pro wrestling impact wrestling have been seeing so much spike in their ratings because the wrestling fan is, tired of the WWE product because they want to see something different. But do you see yourself back in the WWE? Yeah, that's the main goal. And uh, hopefully, you know, with the style and uh, not to have to change everything, you know, in order to, to be there. Uh, because I think, you know, the formula that I'm using right now, I think it's a winning formula, you know, in a way that don't have to talk for 30 minutes to send a message across. And, you know, when you have two, three hundred channels, as soon as you lose the interest of the people, they're somewhere else. And you got, you got to keep them, like, wanting more and wanting something to happen and surprising them and giving them, like, something that they'll like and they don't want to go somewhere else, check somewhere else what's going on. So I think that's the challenge now in this business. I think yeah. that's the real challenge. Mm -hmm. It's a new era, and you have to go with what's working now. And I think looking at the indies, you have a good uh, idea of what's working. And right. I think you have to... It gives you, you know... <laughs> basically, all the answers are there, because, I mean, it's it seems to me like the indies are having the big pop it's really popping like in 20 years i think it's their the biggest years of all the indie companies yeah. in so many years i mean it's i'm you know being part of it and hearing stories and talking with the boys some of the guys are making more money now than they were making money with wwe on a contract yeah, absolutely. I mean, and many people are trailblazing those examples to give people hope of you that you may not need to make it all the way to the WWE. So I ask you, would you rather be rich in the indies or poor in the WWE? Uh, to me, the main reason why WWE is just I feel mm -hmm. like I have an unfinished business with Vince as far as I I mean, we were so tight and we were so close to each other. And, you know, you know, this is the fact that he called me at home a few times on my phone and then that I had access to his office, you know, as much as I, I would want to, you know, and, and, and talk to him quite a lot. Just, you know, for a short period of time, maybe I would say for five, six months, you know, I think 
uh, and then everything kind of crumbled down with the, the click and everything. And then I didn't talk to him that much. I wasn't available for me that much anymore. We kind of lost our business friendship, yeah. if I could put it that way, because mm -hmm. we weren't friends. It was about business, but it was a little bit of a friendship there. In the meantime, I felt on my side, you know, yeah. like I felt pretty uh, encouraged and. I really liked uh, his approach towards me about, you know, talking about different matches and about his ideas and asking me about my ideas. And, and I felt like I was getting there, you know, and uh, losing all that uh, to me. Uh, I'm, tell I'm saying to myself, you know, he Vince got to have like a little bit of uh, respect for what I've done, you know, for for all the kick that I received in the head and in the ass and and all all the the adversity and all the the tough times that I've been through and being there and standing strong, you know, uh, it's got to be somewhere touched by it, you know. Well, listen, what you know, you're doing right now, for example, I don't think anybody's going to turn a blind eye to. It is something you're kind of like a role model for many who maybe feel like their dreams are not accomplishable, maybe feel like they've been met with so much adversity and maybe you getting keep getting so close, so close and then you never get to to get there. Yeah. Or even once you get there, you, you explore what you think is, you know, the top of the mountain, but then it's it doesn't satisfy you, and you've experienced yeah. all of that through your career. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. but now I feel like, you know why WWE is because they have the money to do what I think they could do with me. Mm. They have the budget, you know, uh, uh, just on Braun, Braun Strowman or Elias, you know, how much money that they have put on those guys, you know, like millions and millions and millions of flipping semis, flipping ambulance. Like, well, how about know. a dream match between Braun Strowman and PCO? That's yeah. something that I would watch. Yeah, that'd be awesome, <laughs> but they have to to do it in a, in a way where, you know, build it up in a way where it's going to mean something. Yeah. Just not throwing it out there cold, you mm -hmm. know? So that's, that's why I'm not in a hurry to throw myself at their doors and say, Hey, I'm here. You know, why don't you do anything with me? I mean, I think everything will come in time and place and there'll be a reason for, and I, I just trust life on this. You know, I'm just like doing my best every day. I'm not overthinking about that, you know. If it's there, it's there. If it comes, it comes. Uh, it'd be great. But like you said, the indie scenes is so good right now. There's so much to be done there. There's so much to accomplish. And so there's a lot of fulfillment, you know, on the indie scene. I'm super happy. Uh, I'm living a great life right now, doing what I'm doing. And, you know, every, everything's been great to me. So the main goal is that, but it doesn't have to be that, you know. So, Well, as a that's, fan, that's, I would like to just thank you for everything you have accomplished already in your career and all the sacrifices you made. Because for you to be as successful as you are, it doesn't come without sacrifice. And you continue to deliver the best version of you in and out of the ring. So for that, I definitely want to thank you as a fan for providing that for us. Um, by the time thank this interview you. airs, um, you would have already st stolen the show 
with Matt Riddle at Joy Janela's Lost in New York. Um, but we will meet again because Outlaw Wrestling is bringing PCO to Brooklyn on Thursday, September the 20th. And now for more information, you can follow Outlaw Pro Res on Instagram. That's Outlaw P-R-O-W-R-E-S on Instagram. PCO, uh, we're wrapping up our time here. But um, yeah. <laughs> any um, last words for, uh, especially for your fans, is there any match that you really feel strongly that if they want to see the new version, the best version of you, that they need to go see on YouTube or wherever they, they see those matches, what match would you pick out? Um, the, the Tournament of Survival, Pisil Joy Janela, the American Rana 18, PCO Brian Cage, uh, the exhibition champion, the FCI tournament, and Chattanooga, Tennessee, uh, Cynic City tournament, the match with Joey Lynch. That was, that's, they said over there that it was their top match in four years of the tournament that, mm. that did surpass the last year's uh, Riddle Gunner. But, you know, there's so many out there. Uh, the match with Walter, you know, I know he's doing great numbers, too, um, on on the Internet. So um, there's, there's so many good matches out there. Yeah, uh, you got, and you have so many more ahead of you, too. So for those who want to continue to follow your journey, uh, where can we follow you on social media? Uh, the main thing, go on PCO Quebecer. On Twitter, and from there you have access to all me and my other platforms, and social media platforms. You have access to my Facebook. You have access to my Instagram. You have access to my email if you want to book me for different things, and uh, and that's my main platform. There, I really like. I'm, I'm I'm really a Twitter guy, and don't forget, PCO is not human and. You can always feel the electricity. Yeah, man. <laughs> On that note, I want to continue feeling more electricity from you. Uh, we're going to take care of some news and cheers and heels. So stick around. And uh, for last call, sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Man. Hey, you want more shots of wrestling? Stay tuned at the end of this episode. Last call. It's in the news with Michael J. Putty and the Green Man. All right, great job, Green Man. I appreciate it. Right here from the three-time tag team champion, PCO. And one-time hardcore champion in WCW. Talk about like a second chapter of your career in life. This guy is revitalizing, giving motivation to everybody. Like, never give up. Never surrender. Yeah. And in a week from now, he'll be doing another podcast. He'll be doing Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. So we shouldn't promote other little podcasts. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> Small little podcast no one's heard about. And are, have you heard about that, that podcast? No, uh, I don't know who that is. I don't know. I don't know. We'll get into the news. A lot of news this week to get into. Of course, the big news last week was Renee Young has officially joined the Raw broadcast team full-time, replacing my man, Jonathan Coachman. And where does that lead the coach, you ask? Where? Well, he's being moved now to host the pay-per-view kickoff shows, replacing Renee Young, which personally I feel is a much better slot for him. Mm. Coach will begin his new role Sunday for hell 
in the cell alongside Booker T, David Otunga, and Sam Roberts with special appearance by Pete Rosenberg. Now, I wasn't too keen about this move at first of all. I love Renee Young. I'm a big fan of the coach. But now that he's hosting these pregame shows, much better. Because I didn't like the dichotomy between coach and Graves. They're always brickering. Graves is always undercutting him. It took away from Raw, took away from the product. So I'm happy that now this is done with. And now we get coach doing what he does best, hosting the show. I'm excited, bro. Um, I think it's a long time coming. I don't know if I ever mentioned it to you or we've talked about it on the show, but it's definitely been an idea on my mind. It, it, like back uh, WrestleMania I mean, 30, yeah, around 30, when the women's revolution and evolution was really like kicking up into high gear, you know, they were really putting some money and, and, and giving it a big push. I was like, yo, this would be the perfect time. And this is when Renee Young was doing her, her show on the network you know, weekly unfiltered. And she was doing those interviews. And I was like, yo, I really like this girl, Renee. She's doing great. She's got great charisma. She has a great rapport with everybody backstage in her interviews. She would be great if they really wanted to push this women's evolution to be that first woman to be at the commentating table, like full time. And like, if they did not have this idea way back when, and they were not grooming Renee for this position, I think they would be stupid. Uh, and I think we would be stupid to believe that they weren't. Uh, so congratulations, Renee Young. You totally deserve it. It's been a long time coming. I think the perfect time would have been when they did the brand split, and they should have just yes. and they should have just put Renee on SmackDown instead of having Corey Graves do double uh, duty. Well, Corey Graves wasn't doing it. It was John uh, Bradshaw. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't 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 put Todd not Todd, Todd Grisham. The other guy. What's the fuck his name is? Tom Phillips. Yeah, we don't need him. Put her there. Flank her with Bradshaw and. Who the other guy was at the beginning? I think it should have been. I think. Uh, oh, uh, I gotta be honest. I think it should have been Mar- uh, Mauro Ronaldo, Renee Young, and Dave Otanga for the SmackDown broadcast you know, team. Mauro and Renee are straight people, and you could kind of see that with Michael Cole or Renee Young. They both want to do the straight commentary. So now Renee's learning her place. I think Renee deserves to be in that center seat on SmackDown, flanked by Byron Saxton, and hopefully the returning David Otanga. Get rid of fucking Corey Graves. Well, listen, if you're trying to make a name for yourself in broadcasting and, and trying to be a commentator, you have to be able to flex. You can't just say that Renee Young is yeah. going to be the straight person. Um, yeah, give us your experience as a commentator now. You, you, you feed from experience. Yeah, I am talking for experience. And yeah. and if the boss or whoever is, is telling you to help narrate a story and they need you to fit a certain role, you're going to try the, your best to fit that role. If they want you to be that heel commentator, because that's what Corey Graves is, right? The heel commentator. But they must have been like... Sometimes when he feels like it. Yeah, but they must have... Sometimes he's the face. They must have been able to tell Corey, you know, this is great. This is great what you do. Keep doing that. Or, you know, we want you when it comes to this match to, you know, start bickering with with, with Coachman. So I, I, I think you have to be able to adapt. And I think that's what Renee has been able to do. And again, congratulations to Renee Young. In other news? In other news. Well, Greenman, please... Excuse me for a second. We both know that people from the WWE listen to this show. It's not a tagline we use. No. We know for a fact. We can't divulge how we know. Sorry. But people from WWE listen to this show. Correct. Correct. So excuse me for a second. Let me talk to them directly here. Okay. In response to a fan question on Twitter, Batista was asked if he's going to appear at SmackDown 1000 coming up in October. He said, and I quote, surprise, surprise, I wasn't invited. And it's in my hometown? Guess by now I shouldn't be surprised. Guys. It's in his hometown. This better be some sort of fucking work. This better be him playing it off 
SmackDown 1000 without Dave Batista is bullshit. All right? Batista needs to be on SmackDown 1000. This is ridiculous. Batista wanted to be at WrestleMania 34. He wasn't there. Batista wants to be at WrestleMania 35. He's not there as of yet. This is Batista you're talking about. Future Hall of Famer. Why are you guys treating him like a second-class citizen? <laughs> right? he, didn't, he didn't leave to go to TNA. He didn't leave to go to Ring of Honor. He didn't leave to go to New Japan. He left to start a second phase of his life acting in Hollywood. You guys welcome The Rock back, no problem. You guys welcome the John Cena back, no problem. Why not welcome back Dave Batista? All right, anyway. anyway, please. But fear not, Batista fans, okay? Tommy Dreamer replied to this tweet and invited Batista to his House of Hardcore show, saying, and I quote, Dear Batista, you're always welcome at my House of Hardcore shows. I love ya, and so do wrestling fans. Yes, we do, all right? So if you want to see Dave Batista at House of Hardcore, you better fucking invite him to SmackDown 1000, and especially WrestleMania 35. WrestleMania 35, he's turning 50. It's his last chance to get inside he's the He's turning ring. 50? Get off your fucking ass. Yeah. 5-0? Get off your ass. Yeah, and this is that's when he's going to retire. He's going to wow. give it up. Get off your asses. Do something with Dave Bautista. It's going to be a draw. You guys fucked it up his last return. It wasn't his fault. You guys fucked it up. Listen to him. Listen to Triple H and bring Bautista back. End of rant. You need to move on. You have anything to say about Dave Bautista? I know you don't. You, so I want to move on. I think it's funny that you said use guys. You're such a mark. Yeah, use guys. Yeah. Mark, 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 mark. <laughs> Speaking of marks, in other news. In other news. There's been talk backstage within the WWE about Paul Heyman being put in charge of his own stable. Very similar to the Dangerous Alliance back in ECW. Of course, a few names being thrown around are obviously Ronda Rousey, but surprisingly, Kevin Owens. Supr- really? Are you surprised? Yes. Hmm. About Kevin Owens, yeah. Any thoughts about Kevin Owens? I'm not. Um, I'm not. Kevin Owens and Paul Heyman? I'm not surprised. I think it, it, it's great for business to put those two together completely. Uh, I think Kevin Owens could fit in the shoes and break out the shoes of Brock Lesnar any day. You know, And I think a name like Kevin Owens would be a good person for the best advocate in professional wrestling to advocate for brock lesnar sucks on the mic kevin owens does not kevin owens doesn't need a mouthpiece he does kevin not. owens doesn't need a manager kevin owens can handle himself no it doesn't bobby lashley <laughs> i think bobby lashley could benefit from having paul Heyman in his corner similar to brock lesnar mma fighter big jack guy hell he's black lesnar <laughs> and you don't think you'll be getting those chants out there and those posters out there because you did put Black Lesnar on, on next to Paul Heyman? Doesn't matter. Yeah, it does. Kevin Owens doesn't need, the, he doesn't Kevin want Owens doesn't need a mouthpiece. Kevin Owens is a former world champion. He doesn't need a mouthpiece. Bobby Lashley's like floundering in the mid card, doing absolutely nothing. He can benefit from somebody like Paul Heyman. But MJP, pay attention to the story that's being painted in front of you. Kevin Owens. Yeah, he might be a former champion, but he's not a champion now. He hasn't even been close to the main event card for a while. So but he can speak for himself. So, right but it, the mic. she needs a mouthpiece. All right, but he could speak for himself. But you know what? It hasn't got him in, gotten him anywhere. So by allowing the advocate of all advocates, who has a proven track record to build a champion, to be able to advocate for his man to be in the main event, to headline WrestleManias after WrestleManias after WrestleManias, to be champion? I mean, no matter how at the top of the game you are, if someone comes up to you and says, look what I did with Brock Lesnar, do you not think I could do the same thing for you? That's a story there, my friend. That's a story that needs to be told. Hell yeah, Kevin Owens, the Paul Heyman guy, I'm all about it. Yeah, it was all about 
Curtis Axel being a Paul Heyman guy, and that went nowhere quick. But who do you want to see in the Paul Heyman stable? Let us know. Dial it up, 619-343-3005, inbox at com or hit us up on our social medias. In similar news. The WWE is reportedly changing their minds about the use of managers on TV after years of anti-manager sentiment. Started, we talked about it a couple times in the past. Well, according to the Wrestling Observer, the attitude change has come from consistent success of the man we just talked about, Paul Heyman, with Brock Lesnar and your man CM Punk, which explains, you know, why we're now seeing 205 general manager Drake Maverick managing the Authors of Pain and, surprisingly, Leo Rush managing Bobby Lashley. Yeah, that's, that was a little manager. odd. I mean, I'm happy, I'm happy about this. I like managers. It's a lost art form. So I'm happy they do. If they do it right, it could be successful. There are not that many managers out there, you know. Plus, if you, if there are, they manage one guy. And all, and also, like Jimmy, what? Jimmy, I'm sorry, but what could this mean to the landscape of independent wrestling now that the WWE has opened the doors to say, yeah, you know what, we're welcoming to managers. You know, could we see a influx of managers now? With wrestlers who do not have the mouthpiece, the the could the Green Man be a manager one day? I mean, I, I got the gift of gab. Why not? Well, they are looking for the indie scene for managers. Believe it or not, reportedly, I don't know if that's a fact or not. They are scouring the indie scenes for managers to come up to manage current superstars. So looks like they're all in on managerial roles. I'm very happy about this. I'm excited. I like the characters of managers. I think they could do a lot for. Any character in professional wrestling, if, like you said earlier, if they're booked properly. You need that good chemistry between people. Also, don't give me a manager for one guy. Give me the Bobby Heenans. Give me the Slicks. Give me the Sensational Sherry's. You want a revolution? Oh, love Sensational Sherry as a manager. Give me a manager who manages several people on the show. I want to see a manager Mm. three times on the show, but they have a stable. Just because a manager manages one guy doesn't mean that guy has to be incorporated in other storylines. Give me separate storylines, separate managers. That's the lost art form. Let's see what happens. To the social media, frequent co-host of the show, Pete Rosado, quoted, but why Leo Rush? That's stupid. I asked Pete Rosado a question like, why not Leo Rush? Leo Rush is a face of 205 Live, a show nobody watches. Mm. The Cruiserweights are no longer featured on Raw, so giving Leo Rush a spot on Raw, even if it's just a manager, gives eyes on Leo Rush, which is not a bad thing in my eyes. This is nothing but positivity for Leo Rush. Even if just a manager for Bobby Lashley that gives him the outlet to catapult his own career off of this. I, I got to be honest. I'm on the fence about this one because part of me does agree with with Pete and the fact that Leo Rush is such a great in-ring talent that could you be wasting his talents by putting him as a manager? But then on the other side of the fence, like you said, this is essentially his call up to the main roster you know yeah you know and he's gonna be it's like introduce him to the, the w universe yeah and who don't watch 205 live exactly but and only not only that but also you have a manager who could back his shit up in the ring not just all about the talk but one day you know if leo rush needed to back his shit up he's, he'll be able to do that he'd be able to dance circles around any one of bobby lashley's competitors Funny you say that because on Instagram, James.Green underscore 1581 said, Leo should be his manager slash tag team partner. Mm. So he agrees with you on that sentiment. Mm. I didn't thought of that. That's, that'd be a very interesting duo. Kind of reminds me of when uh, Rey Mysterio and Batista were tag team partners. 
On SmackDown? Yeah, bring Batista back. <laughs> How could you not? It's his hometown. Way off topic. So the conversation is still going on online, so comment on our social medias. What do you feel about managers in the WWE? In other news? In other news. Bound for Glory right here in Queens, New York, next month in October, has officially sold out. The event takes place October 14th in the Melrose Ballroom, which can seat up to 1,300 people, which means they sold 1,300 tickets. Congratulations to Impact and Bound for Glory. Um, Are we going? Uh, break, we breaking news. The last two tickets sold for Bound for Glory, which sold out that show, were purchased by a shot of wrestling because, yes, oh. we are going to Bound for Glory. You know what's crazy is we... I, I, and to clarify, when, when we buy tickets, it's often you and somebody else. Am I going to this? Yeah, it's you and me, buddy. Okay. It's, it's the shot of wrestling host and the greenest co-host that has ever graced... Omega Studios going for Bound for Glory. So the face and the voice of Shadow Wrestling will be in attendance at mm. Bound for Glory, the second biggest pay-per-view of Impact Wrestling. That's Their wild. Their SummerSlam, I think. That's wild. That's awesome. Make sure you stay tuned to episode 135 of A Shot of Wrestling because Impact Wrestling will announce this upcoming week the next inductee into their Hall of Fame. Wow, cool. Is that at Bound for Glory? They get inducted Bound for Glory weekends. Oh. Something I want to look into going to. Dope, dope. In other news. In other news, speaking about ticket sales, it's been reported that ticket sales for the upcoming Evolution pay-per-view are still kind of weak and not selling as quickly as many people expected. The capacity for NASA Coliseum is 14,500. They've sold 7,000, which ain't too shabby. But about 2,400 of them have been sold to scalpers and those secondary broker markets. And it's not a hot ticket, but it's not really a flop, though. If you think about it. Mm. Okay, great. Mm. No, but if you think about it, barely any matches have been announced. They're not promoting it. They're not pushing it in any sort of way. So wait till after Hell in a Cell. Wait till the matches and the cards start forming. Then tickets will be sold out. I'm assuming it's going to sell out somehow. But no one wants to buy tickets to a show we don't know what we're going to see yet. Well, let's find out. Let's felt the, let's felt the card first. Well, spoiler alert. I think the script kind of got leaked out there somewhere. So many people feel like they already know what the card is going to be. Does that motivate? It's an unconfirmed card. Does that motivate you? Does that spoiler motivate you to want to see the show more or yes. want to see it less? See it more because now I know what I'm going to see. But what if you're not interested what? in it? Mm. I was. I, I, I liked it. I thought the card thought it would fit. Made sense. I don't know how the championship matches made sense. I mean, especially on Raw. But like a good card, top to bottom. Looking forward to it. I'm definitely going to watch it if the tickets are available on the brokerage sites. The ticket prices have been dropping. You can get floor seats for like eighty bucks now. Wow. Maybe I want to go. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Plus the fact that Nestle Coliseum does kind of hurt them because you can't get there by public transportation like you can with Barclay Center or Mass Square Garden. Mm. Do you think that plays a, so like us, plays a role in it? I don't think, think so. Because so, people like us want to drink. I don't think I mean, so. For kids, no. But people, adults who want to drink and have a good time, it's a touchy subject. Hmm. Oh, we'll see what happens. We'll keep you updated. In other news. Maybe a future face you see on a future Evolution pay-per-view. According to Pro Wrestling Sheet, Simone Johnson, the 17-year-old daughter of The Rock, hasn't trained to become a pro wrestler herself. As of now, she's only doing it part-time because she's 17 years old. But many believe when she turns 18, this will become a full-time, more serious venture for her. Are you excited about seeing The Rock's daughter become a pro wrestler? I'm always excited about uh, new characters joining the pro wrestling scene and someone with the bloodline uh, of that Samoan dynasty. I, I mean, she True. can't. She she has a uh, big shoes to fill, but I don't think she she'll fail. I think she's going to do very well. So did Charlotte. Look what happened to her. There you go. Speaking of Ric Flair, by the way, woo! Ric Flair married his longtime girlfriend Wendy Barlow this week 
in what they labeled a commitment ceremony. Mm. Wedding guests included The Undertaker, his wife, Michelle McCool, Dennis Rodman, James Storm, Fit Finley, and Dolph Ziggler, who actually walked Wendy down the aisles. How did he get that gig? I have no <laughs> fucking clue. I never knew they were that close. Neither did I. But, you know, Dolph Ziggler, that's a nice gig to get. Good friend to Michael J. Putty, The Hurricane, was also there. I don't have to brag about that, but yeah. <laughs> Told me about it, he sent me some pictures. Charlotte looking smoking hot in that fucking wedding dress. Ah, Charlotte's a beautiful woman. She's a nice So congratulations to a happy couple. Fifth time's the charm. So congratulations to Ric Flair. And Wendy, uh, many years of happiness to you. Any marriage advice to the happy couple? Happy wife, happy life. Well said. Now, we would be amiss if we don't end the news talking about the 17th anniversary of September 11th, a topic we always talk about yearly, annually on the show. Those that to play the McMahon speech from SmackDown, the very first large gathering after the terrorist attack. Iconic event that SmackDown after September 11th was one of the most memorable moments following the days of September 11th. Uh, do you remember watching that? Yeah. That was pretty cool that the show still went on. But instead of playing McMahon's speech this year, we're going to try to end the news on a happier note, more patriotic note. And what is what my favorite rendition of the national anthem ever? Forget Whitney Houston. Forget Carrie Underwood. Talk about Lillian Garcia that night. Did not give you chills. I don't know what will. Check your pulse. To Lillian. Take it away. A shot of wrestling presents here and here. All right, good man. Let's get some cheers and heels. What do you think of Raw this week? Um, well, Michael J. Putty, uh, you may feel like I'm a little bit unprepared for the show tonight when I tell you that I did not watch Monday Night Raw and I did not watch SmackDown. In fact, I've kind of become like an independent wrestling mark. Mark, 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 mark. And one of the main reasons... Kind of? 
You've been doing that for less than a fucking year, two years, so <laughs> I'm not surprised at all. Oh, man. If it's on TV, if people are talking about it, you don't watch it. You don't it, watch so it. I'm, I'm fine. You know? Yeah, I kind of feel really good about being able to mix and mingle with the stars of tomorrow today. So I'm a lot more invested in the careers and in the futures of people like Mike Orlando, like um, Ali Rex. Like, so that you could know your role and shut your mouth while I talk for the next 20 minutes. No. Oh, fantastic. But, Let's go with Raw. No, wait Let a second. Cheers. Michael J. Putty. The pairing. Wait a second. The reason I, I bring this up is because because I haven't watched the product in a few weeks. I probably could Miss it out. not even remember the last time I watched a full Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. I want you to give me wait those here. cheers and heels. And I, I hope that by the end of this segment, I get excited to watch the product again. So go ahead, Michael J. Putty. Hit me with those cheers, baby. Make me want it. Make me want it. Absolutely no problem until you told me to pull in the curtain back, breaking kayfabe, to make light of cheers and heels, to cut it short. So now I got light on my cheers and heels because I thought you watched cheers and heels. <laughs> so now it looks like I can't say you're nothing because you told me to keep it light and short. Keep you like it in short because I wasn't too interested in what was going on oh, with Raw and SmackDown. You're an asshole. Let <laughs> me go cheers the uh, pairing of Drake Maverick and the uh, Authors of Pain. Now, I don't watch 205 Live, but from what I heard, he was great in TNA. You know, I really enjoyed him doing commentary. The couple weeks he did commentary on Raw before the Cruiserweights left Raw. Drake Maverick is a character. Looking forward to see where his pairing with AOP goes. I think it's a good fit. So, uh... Stay tuned to hear my opinions on Drake Maverick and 205 Live's Authors of Pain. Oh, so that's a cheer for you? I'm supposed to yes, be excited uh, about that. I'm supposed to be Drake like, wow, I'm yeah, going to turn in, tune into Monday Night Raw now because I'm watching a 205 guy. Come on, give me something better, Mike. Give me something better. Because Drake Maverick's on Raw doesn't make you invested in 205 Live. No one cares about 205 Live. But Drake Maverick is a character who deserves to be on TV as a character, and now he's getting, he's getting the option and the platform to do so, so I'm excited to see where his character goes from here on right. Raw as a manager. I'm going to heal that Triple H promo. Now, I enjoyed the Triple H promo the first time he announced the match with Undertaker, but this one kind of fell flat. Didn't deliver anything. I wasn't invested. I wasn't drawn into it. Triple H is great on the promos. This kind of didn't do anything for me. Now, maybe it was because last week's promo with the show Michaels and Undertaker was just so awesome. Mm. It couldn't compare. Mm. But I'm going to heal your legs promo. I didn't do anything for the show. I didn't do anything for me personally. And it's weird how, like, what other matches are on this SmackDown <laughs> Super card? Super show, Australia show, because they constantly only talk about this one show. Like, what other, what, what other matches are there? There has to be more, right? I'm assuming this is like the Evolution pay-per-view, where after Hell in a Cell, they'll start building it up more and more. So let's get through Hell in a Cell first, and we'll take it from there. Michael J. Putty, I don't know why you're healing this. I'm excited. That uh, Triple H is coming out and giving promos. I'm excited that they're building this match. Like, this is one of the reasons I would want to tune into Monday Night Raw. The fact that the Cerebral Assassin is back and he's promoting his match. I think it's freaking awesome. Uh, cheers. Ronda Rousey mm. and Natalia delivering the heart attack. Nice homage to the Anvil. Rest in peace, Anvil. Oh. And great way to tribute her father. I love it. I love it. I love now, tributes. An LOL moment here is did you guys catch Renee Young cheering for Finn Balor here? Finn Balor won with a roll up. One, two, three. He won, and Renee Young cheered him. Michael Cole was quickly to go into and saying, 
There's no cheering here. She said, that's right. Eyes remain impartial. It's Michael Cole. Keep it Renee Young in check. Boo, boo, uh, Michael Cole for slapping Renee Young on the wrist. I think I, I saw that on YouTube somewhere. He slapped her on the wrist when he said that. So we're going to smack down. They're going to cheers that sweet, sweet Becky Lynch sneak attack on Charlotte. I saw well that. Well done. Well executed. This feud is one of the best feuds, not only in SmackDown, but in the entire WWE universe. I love it. I love the things that they're doing with those two girls, man. I love this. Like, I, I think I saw it on like uh, social media. It was like people were comparing Becky Lynch to the female version of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Do you see that? No, but the the voice Erwin Escobar tells me it every week. Oh, really? So he's hip with the social media. But yeah, I, I totally no, see that. No, he's not, but it's his own opinion. He agrees with the majority of people. Like, they agree, and uh, it makes sense. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Ma- Cheers, Maurice, looking smoking hot. Who? After months of giving birth to a baby. Mm. Like, if you watch Total Bellas, Brie Bella has some sort of insecurity issues about her body after giving birth to a mm. baby a year ago. Here you are, Maurice, five months after giving birth to a baby, wearing nothing, Showing up her stomach, you could tell she had given birth to a baby, but she looks smoking hot. Brie Bella has nothing to be ashamed of. Brie Bella looks smoking hot as well. Both women looking smoking hot. So, uh, powers to the mothers that be. I'm sure you can agree to your wife, right? Hey, uh, those are very lucky ladies. My wife, in particular, is a very lucky lady to be able to spring back literally uh, two weeks after she gave birth to our son. She was like back to her normal weight, like nothing ever happened. Like it's just fucking genetics. And on, on your note about um about Maurice being smoking hot, I think there there is a little bit of difference between Brie Bella and, and Maurice. Maurice to me is a sex symbol. I'm sorry, she is a complete yeah, hottie. Like she pull puts up her sex appeal. Like that's who yeah, she but you're is. Brie Bella, Mark, 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 Mark. No, no, no. Oh, I love Brie Bella, but let me tell you. But Brie Bella is now playing that – I wouldn't say it's playing the character, but is has filled the role of being a mom and has tried to get her real-life persona out there through reality te- television. And now you're connecting with Brie Bella as a mom. So when I see Brie Bella, I'm like, oh, dude, you know, really cool. You know, she's out there. She's still wrestling. It's awesome. She's, she's, she's a mom, and she's still living the dream. That's awesome. But all I see when I see Maurice is like, damn, girl, it's hot. Oh, she's a mom? Damn, that's a MILF. You know, like, it's just like my 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 sexual mind just gravitates to her. Oh, cheers, that sweet Samoa Joe bedtime story promo. Including the bonus comic graphics. Great promo with Samoa Joe. Great way to elevate this feud. I'm all in with Samoa Joe, AJ Styles. Now this, just before you say anything, the Samoa Joe, AJ Styles feud the Charlotte Becky Lynch feud, a feud I wasn't able to talk about last week. The whole iconics Naomi with this help of Oscar SmackDown is far better superior with storylines in their main event, better storylines in their mid card, better storylines in their women's division. Raja sucks compared to SmackDown <laughs> right now. This just SmackDown is a far superior main event. Way better mid-card and way better women's division. So, uh, as Pete Rosado said, hashtag SmackDown saves lives, and uh, it does. And I think that's why I need to watch SmackDown more, because I'm so invested more in these storylines, you know? And I should just keep my Monday nights free. Yeah, 
For Monday Night Football? No, 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 no. For The Bachelor. Not surprised. <laughs> sort of Lucha Underground. Don't have too much of Lucha Underground this week. It was a quick... A lot of stuff happened. It was a fun show to watch, but... Didn't have too many notes, but like, oh, snap. What's going on with Phoenix? You cannot raise a guy from the dead and expect him to be like his old self. Right. Absolutely. Like, okay. Really? The original, what do they call themselves? The Super Amigos? It was Phoenix, Drago, and Aerostar going against the Dragon Tribe for the Lucha Underground Trios Championships. And Phoenix was, you know... Came out all in black for the first time ever. Acting weird. Acting like a zombie almost. Did we had to do until towards the end, he attacked his best friend, Aerostar. His beautiful girlfriend, Melissa Santos, mm. confronted him. He pushed her to the ground. So something's going on with Phoenix, which is not a surprise. He, he was dead for like five weeks. You can't raise him. Oh, God. Abel, please. Yeah, dude. I'm telling you, if if Phoenix was dead and pushes Melissa Santos to the ground like he's done with her, like the dude literally died because there's no way that you ain't got no blood pumping down there for Melissa Santos that you're like, nah, bitch, I'm done with you, you know? You know. By the way, Dragon Estica Jr., who has been trying to get into that okay. entire season, uh, I am taller. I am better looking. <laughs> I don't need a fucking mask to hide my ugly face. <laughs> So Melissa Santos hit me up at Michael J. Putty on social media saying, uh, Michael I'll J- make you forget all about Phoenix. Michael J. Putty, uh, I feel like I'm going to make love to you right now. For years, I've been telling you about Lucha Underground and the passion that you speak about this program is, it's it's getting me hard. Disgusting. <laughs> plus, plus, what's going on with the whole Gift of the Gods tournament here? Every season, they give a Gift of the Gods tournament where somebody earns a medallion to earn the right to win the Gift of the Gods belt, a belt you guys can cash in, so to speak, for a chance at the Lucha Underground Championship. Right. If anybody can get a chance at the by the, if anybody can get a chance at the title belt, why bother going through the fucking tournament itself? Ivelisse went to the tournament. She lost. She gets a Gift of the Gods title match this week on Lucha Underground. So a couple weeks ago, Mariposa, out of nowhere, gets a title opportunity. Next week, got Marty the Moth get a title opportunity. Like, what's the point of the whole vying for the medallion if anybody can get a fucking title shot anytime they want? I don't know. I don't know what the great, what the great point input. Of it. It's going yeah. to impact. Great input. <laughs> now, once again, if you listen to last week episode one thirty three, previous episode, I've lost Pop TV on my cable channel. Did you get it back? No, but a um, friend of mine gave me her Optimum login, so yeah. now I can watch Pop. Pop TV live yo, on my phone. Yo, you know what that means. For some fucking reason. You know what that means. Not on my, not on my Xbox. You know what that not means. Not on my tablet. You know what that only means. Only on my fucking phone. You know what that means, right? She wants a dick. All right, here we go. So Joe Henry came out last week and Katrina professed her love for him. A man, Joe Henry, backed up his bro, Grado. Bros before a hose, no? Feel it. Well, this week. Joe Henry comes out with a custom video specially designed for Katrina called Access Denied, <laughs> in which he throws a reference to her and her pirate brother, Paul Burchell, from the WWE days. Hashtag nice touch. But no, Katrina is smoking hot. She's a dime piece. She's a, what do you call it, a hot piece of ash? She's a hot piece of hash. Yes, she is. 
So props to Joe Henry to putting her aside and bros before hoes is real. You know, loyalty somewhere, somehow does exist. Sad to see where this goes and how does this play out. Cheers, Brian Cage versus Congo Khan. Again, fucking amazing. These two guys, these two big bohemists, these two monsters are flying around the ring, flying around the top rope like they're fucking cruiserweights. Body splashes, her Karanas, 450 splashes. Congo Khan and Brian Cage, amazing. You know, And you interview myself, Congo Khan. Yeah. <laughs> so. Go back and listen to that. I mean, me personally, I'm six foot six, almost 300 pounds. I have a hard time getting off my couch, walking to my fridge. These guys are doing three of these splashes. Frog splash on the top rope. Hell yeah. Props to these guys. Make me feel like a fat piece of shit. <laughs> Watch Impact on Pop TV. If you're lucky enough to have the fucking channel. Oh, so no comments on any show whatsoever. What are you talking about? You told me, sold me in on SmackDown. Lucha Underground and Impact Wrestling, and I still should not be watching Monday Night Raw. I learned That's so cool. much from you, Michael J. Putty. So much. Let's get some ratings. This week's Raw drew 2.74 million, which is down 4.6 from last week's 2.872 million. Raw was number six for the night behind two airings of Monday Night Football. Rachel Maddow, Doug Carlson, Hannity. Bachelor. Raw was number five in 18 to 49 demographic behind two. NFL Monday Night Football games, Love and Hip Hop, and Monday Night Kickoff on ESPN. So now here we are, the debut of Monday Night Football. Raw has a huge competition to face, so the ratings will probably go down for the next four months. SmackDown this week drew a 2.229 million, which is down 3.9% from last week's 2.319 million. SmackDown was number seven in viewership behind the night, behind Retro Maddow, Fox News. SmackDown was number two in the 18 to 49 demographic behind Mayans MC. Also Tuesday, most part of the country was election night for the primary, so that might take away the added incentive to watch cable news. Did you vote in this week's primary, Green Man? You know I did. I didn't know who the hell I was voting for, um, but my wife came, came home and she's like, we got to go to vote. I was like, why? Because many people died for you to vote. I was like, oh, that's a good point. Let's go. <laughs> Impact has reached you at 258,000, which is up 9.3% from last week's 236,000. Impact ranked 145 on the cable top 150. Last week, the show ranked 125. So the show dropped 20 slots in the top 150. However, the viewership went up. And this week's number is the lowest they've ever recorded in the 18 to 49 demographic. So that's a weird. If something goes down, everything goes down. However, the ratings went up. But they went down in the 18 to 49 demographic. Can only equate it to football. Yeah, football's great, man. That's it for ratings. Let's give some go home thoughts. This coming Sunday is hell in a cell. Jeff Hardy goes to run your inside hell in a cell, which is weird. I don't know why this match is going inside hell in a cell in the first place. It's weird. Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella go against The Miz and Maurice. There's a long standing tradition and formula to go home shows before a pay per view. Whoever gets over is going to lose. Brie Bella and Daniel Bryan came out victorious on this go-home show. Does, so does that mean the Miz and Maurice think out with a victory? Fucking hope so. The New Day will go against Rusev and any English for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Jump in anytime. Dolph Ziggler and oh, Drew sorry. McIntyre go against Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Ronda Rousey go against Alexa Bliss for this Ross Women's Championship. Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Roman Reigns goes against Braun Strowman inside Hell in a Cell with 
McFoley as a special guest referee. And in my main event, the better storyline, the better build, the better everything. AJ Styles goes against Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship. That's Hell in a Cell, top to bottom. Great man, uh, put your wine glass down. What, any thoughts on Hell in a Cell? Any predictions? Uh, the the top of the card, the main events sound really good, man. The Joe and Styles match, I think I think it's not even going to be the end of the feud. I think the, these two are no, just getting started. Um, I do not see Samoa Joe getting over this time around. Uh, nope. I, I think uh, AJ has a long reign ahead of him, but eventually I think Joe's the one that's going to dethrone him, but not, not yet. How do you feel about Braun Strowman cashing in ahead of time? I, I Very think, rare. I think I like Very the rare. I like his moxie. I like his moxie about it. Um, his what? His moxie. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's very, very moxie about him. <laughs> this is what happens when you listen to a shot of wrestling. By the end of the show, we're both drunk. We're creating words. It's it's just what happens. I'm not drunk. But uh, this but is clearly <laughs> your main event is going to be Roman Reigns versus Braun Strowman. However, this feud sucks. The storyline sucks. The build sucks. I like the un- yeah. unorthodox pairing of Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, and Drew Galloway. McIntyre. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's his name. Sure. <laughs> Any go-home thoughts for you, my friend? Michael J. Putty, uh, we're approaching a lot of great new uh, independent shows coming up. I mentioned it earlier. We're going to be going to uh, Outlaw Show September the 20th in Williamsburg, New York. It's going to be a great show. Follow Outlaw Pro Wrestling on Instagram, and you'll get all the details. Get your tickets there. But more importantly than that, we are gearing up from one of the biggest BCW shows in history. You talk about Shelton Benjamin versus Mike Orlando was big. You talk about Mike Orlando versus Billy Gunn was big. Nah, wait for this one. Jack Swagger versus Azriel for the BCW Heavyweight Championship. This is going to be one of the biggest matches that BCW has ever put together, but they're just getting started. I'm beyond interested on in what's going to be going on with our boy Eric Jaden and the Sexy Sane squad. I mean, the LAW champion in BCW, uh, I mean, is it good for business? Is it? Tune in and find out. Uh, this is the reason you tune into a shot of wrestling with the exclusive podcast to BCW. So we have a lot of exclusives. There's going to be debuts, but I'm ready to break something to you, Michael J. Putty. At this next show, the return of the monster match is coming. And when you, when you find out who are the participants in this month, the last monster match, I was like body slammed by Jeff Cannonball. God knows what's going to happen on this one, but, uh, Keep your eyes on BCW. Keep your ears open to a shot of wrestling because a lot of great things are coming through the pipeline and I wish I could let it all out right now. But the powers of beat told me that I need to control myself. I can't give it all out tonight. But soon you will find out a lot more. The monster match is something that I'm really excited for. I'll, trust me. Trust me. It's worth the ticket of admission if you haven't bought it already just for Jack Swagger and Azrael. What can I imagine somebody? <laughs> Anytime you want to imagine Eric Jaden, I'm sure he, he'd be open to it. You got to be sexy, though. You got to be like, you know, like the sexy MJP, you know, maybe like in a Have dominatrix. You seen me? <laughs>
You never know, Michael J. Putty. Again, I am beyond grateful to everybody who's given us an opportunity to be part of their organization, be part of their promotion, uh, who's given us the opportunity to interview them on a shot of wrestling. Thank you so much. Without you, we're nothing. Without the fans of professional wrestling, because I don't think we have fans at all. We're fans just like you. So if you're listening to a shot of wrestling, you and I, we're in a boat together. And Michael J. Putty, you say it best when you say, when you're here, you're family. And that's exactly what we are. We are all family in this crazy world of professional wrestling. And bros, sisters, yo, we're going to tear this shit apart by the end of the year. Guarantee you. The last couple weeks I've been promoting our love hotline. Dial it up, 619-3433-005. But I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing me talk about it. So let's get the man himself, Eric Jaden. To tell you what this hotline is all about. So Eric, take it away. This is the sexy saying black Eric Jaden, and I want you guys to dial it up at 619-343-3005. And I'm going to give you all my love advice. I want to make sure that you are that sexy, sexy, sexy saying lover that you can be. Dial it up, 619-343-3005. Eric Jaden Loveline brought to you by a shot of wrestling. Man, you guys are the best. We love Eric Jaden. Thank you for your time. So dial it up 619 343 He's helped me. He's helped Green Man. He's helped Hazel. He's helped Vacant. This man is a plethora of love advice. So make sure you dial it up once again 619 Green Man, let's wrap it up over here. I love you all. Uh, it, it's so nice to be back home. That's my final thought, brother. So for the green man, for PCO, Pierre Carole. And for Eric Jaden, I have been your host at Michael J. Putty. Until next week, episode 135. Putty out. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I need to announce it's last call at the bar. Oh. We are joined here again with PCO. PCO, it's very simple. The first thing that comes to your mind when I ask the question is the first thing you should answer. Are you ready? Yes, I am. All right. And away we go. What is your favorite adult beverage? Uh, water. Which Light. do you prefer, American or Canadian bacon? Uh, American bacon. Other than wrestling and hockey, what is your favorite sport? My favorite sport, other than hockey, I would have to go with football, NFL. Nice. What is the one part of your body you hate working out? Um, uh, none. None. Okay. Nope. Name one thing that Canadians do better than Americans. Play hockey. <laughs> Who is your celebrity crush? Uh, Jeannie Bouchard. And finally, what is your favorite movie? Uh, Sawshank Redemption or The Green Line. Very nice. Good choices. PCO, you've survived last call. Thank you so much for joining us on A Shot of Wrestling. And I can't wait to see you in a ring near us very soon. Uh, I will. Don't worry. I will be near you uh, pretty soon. And, uh, it's going to be exciting. Wait, can't wait for that. Hey, baby, I hear the bell ringing, hip tosses and body slams. Oh, my. 
And maybe you seem a bit confused. Yeah, baby. But I got you pinned. Ha, 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 ha. But I don't know what to do when I see them with that golden case. They're cashing it in. Authority all in my face. What is a man to do? Good night, everybody. <laughs>